0: Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Hello welcome back to Fusion Fantasy Football. I am your host, Joshua, and it's been a while, but I've been busy. Trust me, I have been doing some work, and I've just been having a great time hanging out with the guys in the Fusion Fantasy Football group me chat, which I tried to tell you guys to get into last time. It's still free for now. I know, I know, it's a great value, but it's still free for now. So if you still want to get in, let me know. But really, there's a lot of great people in there. A lot of people who are probably smarter than I am, even. And uh, if you, it's a great place to talk to people, bounce ideas around. Even if you're not talking to me, there's some other guys great in there. Friends of the show, people who've been on the show, and uh, maybe you'll be on the show in the future. So if you want to get in there, bounce ideas off of me, maybe you'll have an idea that comes on uh, appears in the show or maybe maybe I'll say something in there like today I I said what I was going to be talking about today, so you got think got a sneak peek and uh, I said, "Hey, if you have any other ideas along those lines, the theme of what I'm talking about, maybe maybe I missed it." And uh, they list a few guys listed off some things, and actually I had most of them, but there was at least one that Crocker brought up that I hadn't thought of and I would, wasn't going to have on my list so I added it in. So thank you. So if you want to be a part of this, you want to have some fun, you want to just talk uh, about boring numbers and projections, uh, we do that for sure. Uh, the other fun thing is I'm going to be doing and by the time you hear this I may have already done my first official one. but. Because I'm going to be sitting down at the computer doing these projections, I finally got my sheet pretty much done. If I'm going to be sitting here and doing it anyway, I thought, hey, why not just have some fun with it? I'm going to be doing a live stream on uh, Twitch. I'll see if I can get it to simulcast to YouTube as well. But for now, I have it set up for Twitch. Um, I'm not going to mess with that too much. I don't have really the time at the moment but if I can get it to simulcast to YouTube then uh, you'll see links for that. So keep an eye on my Twitter at FusionFFB. I'll shoot something up there. You can find my Twitch. It's FusionFFB and you can also of course if you're in the GroupMe you'll get a custom invite and heads up for it right there. So get me on the GroupMe chat. You can contact me any of those ways through Twitter, you also email fusionffb at gmail.com. And uh, it'll just be a fun time of me. You'll be able to see my screen. You'll be able to see my, you, you really get to see the sausage made. If you don't wanna see how the sausage gets made, that's fine, I understand. But it's we can hang out. You guys can point out things in chat that maybe I missed or didn't think of. You can uh, criticize me, you can tell me uh, my projections are completely horrible and all wrong. That's fine. Uh, and then each week uh, or each night, whenever I I'd sit down to do it, you know, I'll just turn on the live stream and uh, you'll get to see me doing projections. It'll be fun. And I think what I'll end up doing is I'm, I'm not the I'm a little slow guys. I'm not the smartest person. Sometimes when I'm in the moment doing it live like that, maybe there's things, observations, points that um, are not going to come to me right away. Usually, usually my subconscious like works on these things. And the next day I have a whole bunch of things. Uh, sometimes I think valuable insights that I did not think of at the time. So what I'll probably end up doing is every every time I turn it on, I'll quickly recap whatever I did on the last one, and I might have some updates or some, like I said, insights, observations that are useful, and then we'll go into the next team that we're doing. And I hope to knock out a team or two a night whenever I sit down to do it and get these projections done in the next few weeks. 32 teams, it's actually a lot when you sit down to do it. Uh, You forget how many 32 really is. And then uh, this is just a once-over. This is my process. I just kind of go over it once. And once that's all in, I'll be able to pull together all the numbers. And then I'll be able to really dig into it and check check the situations, check the numbers, make sure things make sense, make sure everything's within the bounds. Because if you remember, if you saw these last year, right at the top, and it's the same this year, they're going to look a little different, but they still get to say right at the top, reasonable expectation projections that's the point these are reasonable expectations i'm not going to go crazy but sometimes normal is all we need the normal reasonable expectation for andrew luck was he was going to be top 5 last year and that sounded to be crazy at some points but when you really got past the the health aspect and got past the no- noise and the fake news and really looked at just what he does every year It was plain to see Andrew Luck was going to put up those kind of numbers because that's what he always does. It was a reasonable expectation. It was not a reasonable expectation to think that Patrick Mahomes was going to put up 50 touchdowns, but I still had him doing pretty well. Um, You're going to miss on maybe the heights and the peaks, but the idea is also to miss on the busts. And if you can miss on busts and just keep on stacking a little bit of value upon value, that's how you're gonna reach consistent winning, consistent success, rather than trying to win the lottery every single time. Uh, that's well, you'll keep me. You that you'll keep hear me say that. Sorry, but that's that's how you win. That's how you make the playoffs every year in your leagues. Is just building value every built value upon value and uh the idea like I just said is to get to the playoffs if you can get in the in the playoffs at a high percentage then you're doing well you're winning at fantasy football you're not always going to win that championship but the that's where the high variability in just the few weeks of the playoffs can kill you but For the 12 or so weeks that you play the regular season, that's a larger sample. That's where you should be able to win out consistently. All right. Uh, That's what we're going for with our teams, with our leagues. Um, Hey, I did it myself. I think I was in something like seven or eight of my eight or ten leagues playoffs last year. Lost first round, I think about three of them. I was in the semis and then the finals for at least half of them so that's and I only ended up walking away with one but hey that's the kind of thing we're looking for. All right today we are going to be kind of having a little bit of fun and this probably isn't going to be as long as a normal one. Uh, I have a bunch of guests I am hope to have lined up from basically here on out so if you're tired of hearing me good news. I have guests coming. If you can't get enough of me, good news, we've got live streams coming. So that's where you can go if you just want me. But what I wanted to talk today was I wanted to go around the league, and this is a little bit late, I suppose, but I wanted to talk about situations post-draft and even post-free agency. And primarily I wanted to do this running back edition. So this is, these are these are nfl wellness checks okay running back wellness checks and we wanted to go division by division team by team and just kind of check in on some of these running backs to see how they're doing now that the season is over you know some of these guys after the draft you might have wanted to check in and make sure they were doing all right you know if they're feeling a little down remember last year Duke Johnson had just made his big contract and then they drafted Chubb and you know probably someone needed to check in on him so maybe this year who needs to get checked in on I wanted to go right away and we're going to have a little fun with this so there's going to be some cuts here and there so when you hear something that's what we're doing here when we go to the AFC East let's check in with the AFC East and I want to go up to the Buffalo bills and check in on a couple people and see how they're doing let's say hello hello i'm not dead yeah he says he's not dead yes he is i'm not he isn't well he will be soon he's very ill yes they will be soon leshawn mccoy frank gore They will be dead soon, but they may not quite be dead. They may be trying to tell you they feel happy, but we'll see if the Bills are happy about their contracts. I mean, obviously, they brought in Gore this year to be what he is. He's not going anywhere, but Sean McCoy, they could save some serious money. We'll see. There's been some interesting, uh, a lot of different speculation going on there, and we'll see what actually happens it's hard to say. They kept him through the June uh, point, so maybe they'll just keep him for the rest of the season. I don't know why, but they probably, I guess, want to see what they have for with Singletary, Devin Singletary first. So that's that's interesting at the least. We've talked about Singletary before. I told you, uh, go ahead and draft him. I think he's like the fifth running back or so as far as rookie ranks, but get ready to sell him as soon as he shows anything. Personally, I do not trust him long term. Um yeah, he he's just not enough of a large enough back for the NFL and athletic enough back to to get away with it with being small. So that's it for the Bills. Let's uh let's keep going down through here. Nothing's really changed. I mean, we have let's see. We're going to go to the Patriots and Hello? This town ain't big enough for the two of us. Damien Harris, Sonny Michelle. What's gonna happen? Now, personally, I think Damien Harris is more of a Rex Burkhead replacement. So it's really, it's not big enough for Rex and Damien Harris. And I'll we'll see what happens with Rex. They love Rex there though. So it would be really hard for me to see them cutting him as I have heard some people kind of uh, speculate a little bit, but I really have a hard time seeing that. But if Sony has any more health issues, Damian Harris is ready to take on more of an all downs, all situations kind of role. However, even just today, news came out that Sony Michelle has returned well from his knee scope and has been going full, which is really what we should have suspected. So, your buying window for Sony is about to close if it's not already. If you wanted Sony and his possible high touchdowns with that offense, uh, this is probably your last chance to get him. Okay, so let's go look around. Let's look around over down in Miami. What's going on down there.
1: Hello? My team thought I was dead. <laughs> but I'm alive. Surprise.
0: Surprise. Kenny and Drake is still there. Uh, that's so is Ballad. So maybe I'm not, I wasn't sure which to play for this. We've got a couple of different cuts here for different things. And I, I'm not sure I, personally have a hard time trusting Kenyon Drake. It's just that thing where look, if you have a hard time trusting damian Williams and why are you trusting Kenyon Drake? And I don't understand people uh seem to say, well, Damien's been in the league for years and has done anything. Kenyan, Drake- well, Kenyon Drake has neither except for when he was in nothing but a high efficiency kind of role and had some big games and his total numbers look all right. He finished pretty high, but His per games are terrible unless you happen to start him when he what when he played the Patriots basically, so I don't know about Kenyon Drake going forward. I kind of suspect, and it's kind of funny because I, I I think he's he's kind of like the next Lamar Miller, where he's probably best in that high efficiency role, but as soon as you try and give him more, he's gonna disappoint, and that's kind of exactly what happened with Lamar Miller and has continued to happen with Lamar Miller, so. I have a hard time trusting him. I, if you can get him late, he is probably. Let's see, after the fifth or sixth, even I would probably take a chance on him in the sixth or seventh, uh, even with my dislike of him. But I just have a hard time believing that a guy who's who's been with some good coaches. It's not just Ben Gase You know, he sat behind a bunch of other guys for three or four years in Alabama. And Nick Saban said, nah. I'll use these other guys instead. Uh, that's a bit of a red flag to me. I mean, just like people are criticizing Josh Jacobs for not taking on the full role, again, in Alabama with Nick Saban, what about a guy who didn't get any role hardly, like literally hardly played? I don't know. I have a hard time believing he's going to ever be anything, no matter how many times Christopher Harris tells me he has an amazing cutting ability or what is that jump and then first step. I can't remember the terms he uses, but the film guys seem to like him. I don't know. I haven't seen it and I can't see it going forward. That's about it for, I mean, we have the Jets. I'm not sure what to say about Bell. I don't have any, any funny A funny sample to play for Le'Veon Bell. I just don't know what to do with him. I think he'll be a low-end RB1, but I I mean, if I had to guess, Gase is going to just use him because they paid him and he's just going to use him. And I know he hasn't used other running backs like that necessarily in the past, but what else is he going to do? Is he really going to relegate Bell to a usage like he gave Kenyon Drake who I just don't understand how that it would even be possible I've got to go with talent sometimes especially like I said if I don't like Drake and I don't think he's really that good then I've got to think that it wasn't Gase deciding to hold Drake back extra it's just he didn't deserve it and I don't see why Bell can't earn that so that's it for the AFC East let's go to NFC East And um, let's see, down with the Cowboys. Um, How you doing, Zeke? I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Yeah, not a surprise. It's, I mean, they got a couple of guys who could be a backup. Pollard has popped up uh, as a name to maybe know as the primary backup, and maybe he'll get usage in a satellite kind of role that Zeke I mean Zeke got a lot of targets last year. In fact, I could see this being the Zeke number one running back year again. Now, if a suspension comes in, that'll hurt that. And if they give more of that receiving work back to another back instead of Zeke, that could hurt his numbers as well. Pollard seems to be the guy who has it'll uh, maybe independent value, but will be at least the backup. Weber at at the moment is he kind of got behind a little bit he had an injury and uh, so it kind of shifted everyone over to looking at Pollard who was drafted fairly high and that's about it so if you need a handcuff for Zeke I would go for Pollard he maybe even has independent value Uh, same thing completely lack of surprise in New York with the Giants Uh, Rod Smith ironically used to be the surefire handcuff for Zeke Elliott is now with the Giants uh there's supposedly there's other players on New York with the Giants other running backs but I I think Rod Smith will take the uh I mean Gallman is still there but I think Rod Smith is the handcuff to own there going forward we'll see how that actually shakes out in the spring but I think he was a really good back that we hoped would go somewhere and actually get a role and be able to play and show what he can do. But nope, he's stuck behind another number one again. Oh, well, uh, if you need a handcuff, he's the guy. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, it seems pretty crowded there. Miles Sanders, how, did, how does he affect some of the existing guys? we got a bunch of players. We've got Wendell Smallwood, Josh Adams. Corey clement that's still talking about sproles being there um they brought in boston scott more of a satellite receiving back who actually was getting some good comments in otas and i think i haven't heard whether or not nico evans a rookie that they brought in is has stuck around if he survived um But I would say, again, you know how I feel about Miles Sanders. I think he could be kind of this year's Nick Chubb kind of trajectory where he's not used primarily for the first few games, starts to get more and more work, and will eventually take over the job and even a workhorse kind of job, maybe with someone like a Clement or Boston Scott as the satellite uh, complementary piece. Now, here's another interesting location. We go down to the Washington Redskins. What are we looking at down there? Hello? This town ain't big enough for the two of us. Yeah, or three because they got Bryce Love. Now, I don't think he's going to be around. He's not going to be ready as soon as Geis is. But Geis also had some setbacks with infection in his leg so if if you if you had started his clock as far as healing all the way back in last August when he had the injury and you thought well that means one year for ACL he'll be back next August no that's not quite right now I'm not a doctor I'm not sure exactly how much it affects it I've been trying to get an answer on that and maybe I can get a guest in here to talk about that but basically you should push back that clock at least three if not four if not six months because I believe he had more surgeries done as late as December or January uh, that obviously pushes back his recovery that's not good and then they of course re-signed Adrian Peterson that's not great I just everyone was really excited about Geiss and I was too um, I did have him in a league and I'm kind of glad I, I sold him for a pretty great deal actually and I, I have some real worries about him going at least for this year he may be another guy we uh, who we have to push back expectations another year you're gonna to have to wait till 2020 to really see him but he could come back mid-season and and be something especially if adrian peterson peters out in the middle of the the season and guys can step into that maybe as a second half guy so that's it for nfc east uh, we're gonna go over to the nfc north and i want to look over there and i want to look at the detroit Lions, hello.
1: I never hear that, and as you can see. I am not dead.
0: Carry on is not dead, he has not seated. I don't understand why everyone, when CJ Anderson was with the Rams and talking about coming back, nobody was worried about him. Uh, taking away work, and just because we saw him put up big numbers at the end of the season and in the playoffs, when Gurley was was I guess hurt, um, I don't think that's C.J. Anderson. I think that's again the opportunity, the situation, the volume of that the Rams gave him. I I don't understand the idea that now somehow on Johnson is in jeopardy of of losing work because of CJ Anderson I, I don't get it I do think CJ Anderson can take on a little a lesser LeGarrette Blunt kind of level load but it's going to be the inefficient stuff I do think that someone like a Theo um, Riddick or maybe I mean there's another guy Ty Johnson rookie there who might be somewhere in the mix of all of this as well but Carry on Johnson he may not here's the thing he may not get more than 50 to 60% of the work including receiving but he's going to there's going to be a lot of work so that 60% is still going to be a lot that's my thought right now that offense has said blatantly they want to run the ball that's why uh when we get to the Lions when we talk about receivers and so on I'm a little lower on some of those receivers at the same time we got word that Matthew Stafford was dealing with uh, a bit of something even broken or fractured in his back last year although I don't think it was for the whole season so you can't use that as an excuse for the entire season I maybe for the second half or quarter of it but Look, Karrion Johnson is falling in drafts. He's one of my number one values right now. He's all the way down into the fourth round in like startups. That's a fantastic RB2 with low-end RB1 upside, if he can put it together. He does, of course, have health concerns. He seems to get injured when he gets worked too much. But again, that's why I think they have those other guys there. That's why I'm okay with him at that 50 to 60 percent work because he's getting 50 percent 60 percent of the rushes and and targets he's an all-around back he can do it all you know so that 50 percent of the rushes might get split up between Ty Johnson and CJ Anderson and then the other receptions get to Theo Riddick but none of those other guys are going to have a sizable percentage of both the rushes and the targets. That's only going to be found in On Johnson, and he's the one to own there. Uh, next, we're going to go up to the Green Bay Packers and uh, check in on them. Hello? Is uh, Jamal Williams around? I'm not dead. Uh, are you sure about that? I'm not dead. I, I think you might be. Jamal, I think you might just be. Dexter Williams is there, and I think he can do everything you can do and do it better, and he can be a real backup to uh, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, how are you doing? I am not dead! You are not dead. That's right. Great. However, you are still injury-prone. Sorry. Uh, You are. And so I could see Dexter taking over... A little bit of the work there, similar to Carry On Johnson. I mean, I, I could never draft Aaron Jones ahead of Carry On Johnson. I don't think that's happening. But just to kind of put things in perspective, uh, he's a good round ahead for me. Um, there's I was asked today in the chat if I would draft Mac or Aaron Jones. And for the range that those guys are going, fourth, fifth round... I probably would have to take Mac as a little bit more of a sure thing with the Colts rather than Aaron Jones, who has a little bit more uncertainty there with injury. And I guess Mac has has had his injury history as well, but I have a little bit more fear of the backup taking work there than I do with the Colts, who we'll get to. Should not have said that yet, whoops. Vikings!
1: I am not dead
0: no you're not Dalvin Cook you are not dead at all now they did draft a very I would say capable backup handcuff in Alexander Madison but he's not gonna take work away he is Latavius Murray but maybe not even that good maybe a better receiver but probably not even as explosive so Dalvin Cook, as long as you're healthy, he is, I mean, we're talking RB1. Um, I I was a little concerned last year coming back from the ACL and everyone was really high on him. And I really need to come up with a term or name of this where I like keep on being the opposite of everyone else. And whether it's negative or positive. So last year, everyone's high on Dalvin Cook. I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about that. And then this year... He's dropped below where he was being drafted last year. And I'm saying, why? He's had the year. He's healthy now. Now he should be where you were drafting him last year. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, uh, Anyway, so that's it for NFC North. Let's head over to the AFC North and check on the Ravens where we have Mark Ingram, the free big free agent who moved um probably the biggest running back free agent who moved and who did they draft justice hill now i could see justice hill taking kind of a kamara alvin kamara light kind of complementary role they certainly are going to have enough rushing work if if they're anything like last year they're going to have plenty of rushing work so mark ingram can't take all of it so I think that means there's gonna be some left over. Now Gus Johnson's gonna take over some of the just rushing work when they need to hand it off, give uh, Mark Ingram a breather. But for some of those you know, drop down, uh, drop off, dump down, what's the word, whatever it is passes, you know what I'm talking about. They're gonna be looking at Justice Hill and he is a very fast and explosive player. And I think a lot of good things could be could, could happen there for him. But I still think Mark Ingram has RB1 upside. Definitely RB2. He just needs to stay healthy, which we've we've seen him. When we saw him at times in New Orleans be the guy he was putting up, you know, 20-point performances when they leaned on him as a workhorse. The problem was he would get injured. So if they can just back it off a little bit, we'll see how he can hold up now uh let's see cleveland browns hello
1: i never yielded, and as you can see i am not dead
0: nick chubb he is not dead and he is still king uh i know they went and got kareem hunt i think that was a very smart business decision and uh, one of those things where from a team perspective it felt like a win-win especially now that they're looking at Duke Johnson complaining about his situation I could see them trading Duke Johnson but I don't think it's going to happen till mid-season I think it's going to be a trade deadline kind of thing because Kareem Hunt comes back after eight weeks how long is till the trade deadline a little over eight weeks so I could see them waiting till then. There's some other kind of guys on the back end of the bench. We'll see if any of them can step up Hilliard or something like that if if he can fill in enough that they feel and and Chubb is healthy enough that they feel comfortable getting rid of Duke sooner, then they could. but it's gonna it's gonna take a lot for them to trade him because. They still need that backup and they're not going to see, look, Cream Hunt is suspended. That means he's not even in in there unless he really shows up and shows that he's ready to go in the preseason, which he can do even if he's suspended once games start. But in the preseason, we can see some Cream Hunt actually playing. And if he proves to them that he, he's got it still, then maybe they'll be more likely to trade him but if they still don't see much of him they're not gonna they can't wait because he's not going to come back then week nine he's going to need some time to get back into it week 10 at 11 by the time he's ready to go they're not giving up their running back depth for a few weeks they'd be on really thin ice I don't see how they can even trade him unless like I said they're confident he can come right back or someone else steps up to give them a little bit of breathing room so that's the thing to keep an eye on in the preseason is if there's anyone else on the Browns who will be able to give them a little bit of breathing room so they can actually trade Duke Johnson Um, but they need some depth behind Chubb but Chubb is still the guy and some people are saying now they're passing offense they've got Odell Beckham and supposedly getting better look that helps Chubb it doesn't hurt him he's still he's gonna break off a lot of big runs still because defenders have to watch Odell Beckham. he's still gonna get touchdowns because the offense is moving down the field and getting into the red zone that helps him Guys, Nick Chubb is right there behind Alvin Cook for me pretty high I don't have a, I can't put a number quite to it but I've been seeing him drafted and I am comfortable drafting him right around the back end of RB1s. All right, so after the Ravens, we're going to go over to the Bengals and it's the same thing.
1: I am not dead!
0: Mixon is not dead. I know they drafted a couple different running backs towards the end, but that's, that's Gio. That is Gio Vani Bernard, who's back there you know, if you listen, I'm not dead. yeah, I think you are, Geo. I think you are. This is your last season with the Bengals. They want Trevion Williams to take his job, I'm pretty sure. And then they got Roddy Rodney Anderson as someone who could be a backup, I think, to Mixon. So that's they've got pretty clear roles there. In the past and I think going forward they basically drafted those guys right into those roles it's going to take an injury to Mixon for Rodney Anderson to have a chance it's going to take an injury to Gio Bernard for Travion Williams to have a chance but you've got to know that those are the guys for those roles and be ready if those injuries do happen but I'm not going to count on those injuries for now the situation's pretty clear it's Mixon and Geo as the guys Steelers, James Connor, he survived. I know they drafted Benny Snell. Guys, I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. Look, Benny Snell might be a guy they like. It might be the kind of running back they like. It might be the kind of back who could turn into James Connor, but it's not going to be this year. It's going to be a year or two away. It's going to be in two years when James Connor has a contract issue and the Steelers play hardball and they move on. It's not gonna be this year. So if you're in Dynasty, if you have a taxi squad, you can just dash Benny Snell, that's great. He's not doing anything this year. It's gonna be James Conner, Snell, yeah, they'll throw him in there when they need a breather for Conner. Conner did slow down and get beat up towards the end of last year, but they used him a lot. They only need to back that off a little bit. And they can get Jalen, Uh, Jalen Samuel in there as well to especially for some of the receiving work to take that weight off of Connor so maybe Connor is not top five this year but I could still see him low end rp one I don't think he's going anywhere long term yeah sure possibly we know how the the Steelers play it with running backs I can understand that it's probably the right decision but I don't think it's happening this season is the point. All right, we're going to move over and we're going to move over to the AFC North and say hello to Houston Texans.
1: My team thought I was dead. But I'm alive.
0: Surprise. Lamar Miller is still there. They didn't draft anyone of anyone anyone and anyone at all they crafted uh, they got some uh, undrafted guys karen hignan and Damaria crockett but it's just lamar miller and still deontay foreman we've talked about who i actually do like and there's been a little bit of debates on a lot of debates going on on twitter right now some guys from uh, i think i think etan uh mozia and sam lane from Dino diagnostics have been debating and fighting over this in comment sections of other people's threads for like the last 3 days. It's been pretty funny actually. But the the debate is between look, can you trust the Achilles? Is it healed? What does that even mean? And I understand, you all know I was on board the don't draft Deonta Foreman last year because of the Achilles and he wasn't coming back till week 10 at the earliest. We saw him play, he came back at the very end of the season, even later, And, uh, but that's important to note, he came back, he played. So he's not coming back now, He's already is back, he's just a veteran going right into the next season. He's not coming back anymore, he already came back. The question is simply, has he lost anything because of the injury? A lot of burst and power relies on that Achilles. If it heals, I mean, I'm not a doctor again, but I, I, I read a lot of these guys. I pay attention to these, a lot of these guys. I've referenced you know, Dr. Justin Moore on Twitter. We've got a Ethan Turn, another great guy. But if he can return just to 80% of what he was, he was a very talented back who I liked to take over that team. I don't see how he can't still beat out Lamar Miller, even at 80%. Maybe it'll be more of a split role then, with Lamar being relegated to that higher efficiency work, like we were talking about before, that he seems to do better in any way. That's great. That just means Foreman may not be an RB2 or even 3, but he might be flex-worthy here and there, different situations and if Mar Miller gets hurt, he's the guy. So he's uh, he's not just a handcuff. He's he's a a, a player that's going to get work uh, independently. So again, we're going to go to the Colts next, and that is absolutely. I never yielded. You never yielded, Marlon Mac, You are the man. You still have some health injuries, those ankles. we got to keep an eye on them, but hopefully nothing pops up in the preseason and they don't push it if it does. And uh, I think he, he's the guy there. I think a lot of the receiving work will be taken by Naheem Hines. I do like Naheem Hines, a lot of targets last year and including in at the end of the season – I think he had no fewer than six or seven targets per game towards the end. Maybe there was one in there with five out of the last like five or six games when Marlon Mac was back. Mack was back, and Hines was still getting those targets. But Mack was still putting up numbers, and Hines was putting up numbers. I think there's enough work there that offense is productive enough to both support uh, Hines and Marlon Mack look uh, think about Sonny Michelle and James White that's exactly what I picture this being except Marlon Mack can get some targets and catch the ball as well maybe more so than Sonny Michelle. so that would be the situation for for them I really like Marlon Mack have in the past he did it in in college he was the guy the workhorse back so don't Just because he's had a few injuries, don't think that he can't continue to be the guy, the high high workhorse, high volume guy. Uh, I think they just need to make sure they manage any injuries correctly. I think that's what happened last uh, preseason. They pushed it. He pushed it. If they can manage that better, let him rest. And I think Marlon Mack is a very high upside guy. Definitely RB2 for me. Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Fournette, are you how, how'd you come out? I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Yeah, I'm completely not surprised that the Jaguars did draft a player like Ryquell Armstead as a backup, but I'm also not surprised that it's not changing anything for Leonard Fournette until Leonard Fournette gets injured. So when Leonard Fournette is healthy, it's Leonard Fournette. He's been talked about a lot alongside like the Deontay Foreman kind of health injury concern discussions and look I've said it before when he plays he is a possible RB1 I just can't trust that he's going to stay healthy. If I could get him cheap there's definitely a point where I would draft him because at that point the value i'm getting hit out of him in those games that i can start him makes the high cost uh, a certain cost worth it but if it, the cost is means i have to give up on other players like a carry on johnson like a james connor um like a marlon mack i think i'd still take those guys before Fournette. sorry i will Next, we have Tennessee Titans. And what do I see here? I see dead people. Yeah, Dion Lewis. Guys, I really like Derrick Henry. I bought him in some leagues or tried to buy him in leagues, one only successfully, but at the end of last season, because I felt like, and before he broke out, obviously, once he broke out, yeah, but even before that, I was saying, maybe this is the time to get him cheap, because... He's still only like 24, at least he was. Maybe he's going into 25 now. He's He is ready to hit a prime and ready to, I think, finally show that he can be the guy in Tennessee. And I know it's kind of seemed that way for a while now, but I think this is the year they finally can, they finally will turn to him and rely on him. Next, we're going to look over to the NFC and the... NFC South. And we're going to stop at Atlanta and see how they're doing.
1: I am not dead.
0: Devonta Freeman, you're not dead. Amazing. Now, this is one of the teams I had suspected was going to draft a running back and probably more of a grinder type. And they actually did. They went and they got Kadri. Allison. so I think if anyone is uh
1: I'm not dead
0: it's Ido Smith who's trying to hang on to his job now I think Ido Smith is a perfectly good receiving back satellite back and he could hold on to that rule but I think they're gonna stop trying to give him the rushes that they were trying to give opposite of Tevin Coleman last year I think The Tevin Coleman rushes, of course, go to now Devonta Freeman. And Devonta Freeman is only going to give up a decent number of rushes to a back that will come in and take the short downs, maybe the red zone, end zone. And I think that could be Kadri Olison, a guy I love getting in late rounds of rookie drafts and even towards the ends of uh, redraft if it's deep enough. um, Definitely. Maybe a best ball. I'm not big expert when it comes to best ball, DFS kind of things, but I could see in a deep best ball situation, again, it's because of the touchdowns. He's going to come in and get that red zone work. He's a little bit more of a grinder than anyone else they have on the team. I know Brian Hill is technically still there, and he came in, I think, week 17, right, and had a good game. I think that's – he's nothing that Kadri Oleson – isn't i think they've seen hill they actually drafted hill two years ago then let him go then he went to the bengals and then the bengals let him go and then the bengals drafted two uh two rookie running backs and brought in some undrafted guy they brought in darren hall too when i didn't mention him when we were on cincinnati but they brought in a bunch of running backs they just had they just had brian hill and then let him go so all that points to me not having a lot of confidence in teams liking Brian Hill. I think I think the Falcons were familiar with him. They just needed a body, and he was available. Now we go over to Carolina Panthers, and it's, well, it's really absolutely. I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Complete lack of surprise. What were they going to do, bring in? of running back to actually compete. Now they did draft Jordan Scarlett and they did bring in Elijah Holyfield as a UDFA. I don't think any of those are threats. This is simply depth. It's possible they try to ease up some of the workload, but I don't think it's going to be enough that you're going to ever be concerned about whoever the other guy is. I don't think you'll ever be usable unless, of course, McCaffrey gets injured. So you do want to keep an eye on who's the handcuff going to be. Just from draft capital and depth chart, it's going to be Jordan Scarlett, but we'll see how how well he really does in that role. And again, no one's going to be able to actually replace what he does. It's going to be stepping into... 50-60% of that, and someone else is going to have to help take on the rest. So it may be split between Scarlett and Holyfield, but no one can take on all the work that McCaffrey does because he does it all as it is already. Now we look down at the Saints, New Orleans, and see that Alvin Kamara is still there, still doing his thing, but they brought in Latavius Murray as a free agent. I don't think Latavius Murray is going to do anything more than what Mark Ingram did. Probably, definitely not more than what he did two years ago. But I think he can do everything that they had Mark Ingram doing last year. Now that means not a lot of work is taken from Alvin Kamara. I just don't think Alvin Kamara is going to get a big usage like he had those first four weeks last year. I don't know if we ever see Alvin Kamara like we did those first 4 weeks I just don't think they want to risk using him up like that and injury and, and just burning him out I think it was just too much and they will actually use Latavius Murray independently of Alvin Kamara I I really do like it look we people were drafting mark ingram in like the fifth round even last year even though he had five games at the beginning of the season he was going to be out five weeks i should say five weeks four games and then what now you can get latavius murray in the in what double digit rounds i'll take him 12th round easy easy value grab that latavius murray and then they also did bring in divine azigbo as an undrafted rookie but he was one of these under the radar guys that he wasn't brought into the combine for some reason but great numbers uh in his pro day and just an all-around really talented back if anyone should be afraid of a divine Azigbo it's actually Latavius Murray and he could really take that job by the end of the year and be that guy who has independent value alongside Kamara and finally, we have the ultimate situation of someone who we thought might be dead.
1: My team thought I was dead.
0: <laughs>
1: but I'm alive. Surprise.
0: Peyton Barber's still alive. He's still alive. Oh my goodness, how? They didn't draft a single, a single running back. And they were at the top of my my list for who needed one and who could use one. Um, Look, Aaron Foster, not Aaron Foster, Bruce Arians is there, and he he likes using his running backs that can receive the ball. And we heard him this week making some comments about their backfield. It was kind of funny because they kind of sound a little lukewarm, like – he wasn't saying, oh yeah, they're really good. He kind of was just saying, yeah, they're all right, you know, but his his attitude was completely correct in that he was saying you don't have to have a guy like David Johnson. You don't have to have, you know, that that guy like Le'Veon Bell. You can just make do with a couple, a few different good backs. And I do think that's what Peyton Barber can be for them. And maybe Ronald Jones does get worked in. Here's the thing with Ronald Jones is um, he can't catch the ball. And that's all. If there's one consistent thing we've seen from Bruce Arians, it's that he likes running backs that can catch the ball. And Peyton Barber's not great at it either, but he's capable. Look, if there's another sleeper there, a guy who you maybe you may you've heard of him by the name of Andre Ellington. Yeah, he's going to try and resurrect his career there. Arians loves him. So we'll see how that goes as a pure satellite receiving back. There's also a rookie they they did bring in, an undrafted free agent called Bruce Anderson. Now Bruce Anderson has been getting lots of raves from a lot of film people and people who love picking out sleepers saying that this guy was an all-around back that was surprisingly good receiver for what he, you know, might think he is just by looking at him. But he also has some burst on the ground. So this is kind of your dark horse guy, Bruce Anderson, uh, a great, low-cost, high-potential guy. He could end up being the one that takes the all-around work. You never know. Bruce Arians doesn't care about draft, draft uh, capital, I don't think, once they're on the team. He just wants somebody who can do the job. And maybe he can. I one thing I will say about Ronald Jones. I've I've heard this story about Ronald Jones about how he was just he was one of the youngest running backs, if not the youngest running back brought in last year, uh, youngest in the class, I should say? And I've heard the stories about how he was in Las Vegas eating hamburgers and, and you know all these things. And some people were sharing those stories going into last year as kind of a insiders hey don't draft this guy he's not ready and a lot of those people are saying well he's taken it a lot more serious he's matured and they are using that as that's how ronald jones is now going to he's ready to take the job and compete and take it from peyton barber he's ready to be the guy that they drafted him in the second round to be he's ready he's matured he's taken it serious um I, I didn't know that just being a mature let you suddenly know how to catch the ball. Um, that's my major concern. Just because you're not staying up late and drinking milkshakes and eating hamburgers doesn't mean you suddenly know how to catch the ball. I think it's great that he's matured. I think he could get more work. I just don't see how he is suddenly going to catch the ball. And that's the real point. That's what was, at the end of the day, what's holding him back. You know, Jordan Howard was as serious as serious can be and worked as hard as you can on catching the ball every... For a couple seasons, we heard that he was out here catching like 400 passes from the jugs machine. Um he still couldn't do it. The Chicago Bears still traded him away and drafted Montgomery who is well known for being able to catch the ball. So I just don't I don't see how just because he's matured he's suddenly able to catch the ball. Uh I'm not buying it. If you if you if you didn't get that, I'm not buying it. I'm not on the Ronald Jones. Um The things that we said were the problem with him are still problems. Make sense? Just because you get serious, uh, you don't suddenly wake up one day because you ate a salad and be able to catch the ball. Doesn't happen. We're going to go FC West now. AFC West, and we've got Royce Freeman and Lindsey. And, uh, man... or is it? I think it might be big enough for the two of them. Uh, the problem is Lindsay is recovering from injury right now so hopefully Royce Freeman can remind everybody he deserves work but I don't think I don't think they're gonna go away from Lindsay once he comes back and is healthy. I think this is about as split a backfield as you're going to find. Royce Freeman go look at his numbers. a lot of yards and and a lot of work still even behind Lindsay who was putting up the big numbers. So they might even tilt it a little bit more 50-50 this year to protect Lindsay and put Lindsay in more of the receiving back role, receiving satellite plus. Uh, I don't think that Lindsay will give up the majority of the work to Freeman short of getting injured, but that's a great situation where you can buy I think I've seen Lindsay maybe undervalued even right now and some people have finally caught on the Royce Freeman so maybe he he costs too much or maybe he's right at his cost but I don't think he's a value anymore next we're going to go to Kansas City with the Chiefs and look Damian Williams is still there Damian Williams has been given votes of confidence from a couple different coaches they're not Andy Reid hasn't said anything but Uh, offensive coordinators and and other people have. They actually just cut James Williams, the undrafted free agent rookie. But Darwin Thompson's there. Carlos Hyde is there. Uh, I just don't see how they aren't going to give him the first chance. Damian Williams is going to get the first chance. And the way I look at it, as I go back to how Andy Reid has handled these kind of incumbent situations in the past and he always gives preference and first opportunity to his incumbent back he always gives it to it was even back when they had jamal charles he wanted he he shied away from giving all the work to him he wanted to give it to the older guy and even when they had drafted cream hunt in the third round he that going into camp, it was, well, Spencer Ware is the guy. This is just our backup. Then Spencer Ware had to get hurt. And then even last season, Spencer Ware is back. Cream Hunt's gone because of they had let him go. And they're saying, oh, he's our guy. Then he gets injured before Damian Williams got the chance. But now Damian Williams is that guy. He is the incumbent. There's no Spencer Ware. He is the Spencer Ware. And it's going to take injury or spectacular failure for uh, Carlos Hyde to take over the role, the majority role. They may still work him in there, but the Damian Williams, what he has going for it is he's the receiving guy. And Darwin Thompson did do a surprising amount of receiving for his role in college, but I don't think he's ready to take that over from anybody. So Damien Williams, he's going to get the first shot at it. And I think that's all they need because I find it hard to believe anyone's going to be unsuccessful, at least fantasy wise, in that role. So give me Damien Williams. You can go ahead and discount him for um, risk, but uh, a really valuable fourth, fifth rounder if, if he drops to there. I've seen that happen a lot. I've seen him by dropping, especially in startup uh, drafts, drafting, I mean, way down, he's fallen. And depending on how you're going about your startup, if you're a win now, he could be a perfect guy for you to be your RB2, RB3, and uh, really put up numbers if you're, if you're especially vote, if you're drafting for a win now kind of startup team. Then we have the Chargers. And yeah, it's it's Melvin Gordon for sure. Nothing happened there. They didn't bring in anybody that I'm aware of. It's still Austin Eckler. It's still Justin Jackson. I think is the true handcuff to Melvin Gordon. I don't think. I think they tried putting Eckler in the handcuff role, and they discovered that he's better off as the satellite. So if Melvin Gordon injury happens, go get Justin Jackson. Don't. I mean, obviously, Eckler will get more work than he had when than when Gordon was healthy. But if Gordon goes out, I think Justin Jackson's going to be the best replacement. So when everyone runs after Eckler, go pick up Justin Jackson. And I really like Justin Jackson in, in Dynasty right now because he's really cheap. But if we look forward a year, I've been saying it, Melvin Gordon has continued to be an injury concern. So there's that like we talked about. But also there's contract and money and all kinds of ugly business stuff coming forward next year. And and look, do it now because it may even become a problem this year if he decides to hold out or something, if he looks at what Bell did. I think Melvin Gordon wants a contract. But the problem is, guess who else needs a contract? Well, Philip Rivers needs a contract. And then two years from now, or two years from now, Keenan Allen's contract will be up which means next season he'll want a contract too. They have a lot of things to cons- to to worry about and plan for money wise on that team. So I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to be the one to get paid first is my point. He's going to have to wait at least till they figure out what they want to do with Rivers and he may even have to wait till they figure out what to do with Keenan Allen. And that's why I'm really hesitant. If I can sell high on Melvin Gordon, this is his peak. He's never getting higher, I don't think, as far as dynasty value. I'm trying to sell him high. Oakland Raiders, yeah, everyone there is completely just blown out of the water because they brought in Josh Jacobs, the only rookie drafted dropped in the first round. And he's going to be the guy, so whoever you thought was going to be there Chris Warren um, of course Crowell once he had his injury that sealed the deal there was a little bit of doubt in my mind it might be more of a split backfield with Isaiah Crowell but once he got hurt I think they brought back uh, Doug Martin but you know he's just going to be a backup he's they're going to try and give it all to Josh Jacobs and we'll see if he can we'll, we'll see what he can do with all of that work Finally, Arizona Cardinals, David Johnson, Chase Edmonds. Those are the only two names you need to know. And they didn't draft anybody else. Very similar kind of to the Chargers situation. This is fantastic. Who did they bring in? They brought in a new quarterback, a bunch of receivers, and a new coach. And all of those things are going to be positives for the offense, I think. And positives, therefore, for David Johnson. And I do think Chase Edmonds is a really sneaky, cheap guy to bring in, stash, Uh, They may even get him work. Look, we look at a lot of these other places and we say, who's the backup? Who's the other guy? And in a lot of those cases, they're very different types of running backs. But with David Johnson and Chase Edmonds, they're very similar types of running backs. And I could see this being a 1A, 1B, but I don't think they're going to give Chase enough to hurt David Johnson values I still love David Johnson as an RB1 again. He finished RB what 9 last year even with as bad as the team, volume and efficiency was. So he can absolutely beat that and be top 5 again. But I think there may be enough work to still give Chase Edmonds some uh, possible flex value and of course be a fantastic handcuff. That's the key. He is one of the clear handcuffs in the league now that may be clear that situation's clear but I'll tell you where it's not clear San Francisco I don't even know what to say about San Francisco um I would not buy the most expensive guy basically I might just buy the cheapest which is probably going to be Maprita at this point uh, i wouldn't go for moster he's probably the cheapest but he has injury he has to recover from so I might go for Matt Preeta this year but sometimes you see uh, McKinnon and even Coleman falling I just I'm a little wary of expecting Coleman or McKinnon to be getting a ton of value a ton of volume I should say and I would not be buying them top uh, let's see round four round five is still a little too soon for me when we get into the six and seven, that's a great place to grab them, especially if you're going kind of a modified zero RB, or as I call it, quarter RB, where you get one more sure thing in the top four rounds. You know, you draft that Zeke Elliott, and then you get all your wide receivers, and then start grabbing these guys in the sixth, seventh, eighth rounds. Of You get these running backs such as, um, like right here, Tevin Coleman or McKinnon. That's where you you can possibly go with that kind of strategy and have it work out well for you. I'm not going to trust these guys. These are the kind of players you just stash up, and you just need a couple of these kind of players to work to be your second or third run, starting running back. Finally, last case we have is Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks, they didn't bring in anybody. Uh, I, I think they brought in Travis Homer, maybe a... Maybe he can push out McKissick and kind of be that satellite receiving back um, situational guy. But it's going to be Chris Carson, and I think Penny's going to get more of that workload. And if, if, if we have another kind of 50-50 backfield, I think this is it. Um, so Carson has been, at the same time, you could say Carson's a value because people are discounting him again, thinking Penny's going to be the guy. Or maybe you go the other way and say, Penny is getting discounted because Carson's still around. And so you should get Penny because he's going to be the guy. Again, reasonable expectation. I split it down the middle and say 50-50. So don't buy either one at a price that demands they be more than 50% of the work to be worth it. I can actually go look up what that would be numbers-wise for you and maybe another time. But you can too. Just go look at how much workload there was, split it in half, and then think, where does a running back with these stats finish and what does he cost? And don't pay more than that. That's how I'm going to treat that situation. Probably not a lot of cases where I'll get either guy, but I could see me grabbing some Chris Carson cheap if he continues to fall. That's it, guys. We went an hour talking about every single team, every single running back, every single situation post draft, post free agency. Now that we know where we are, a lot of everything I said is going to be reflected in my projection sheets that I'm going to be working on. So, hope you're still awake, first of all. Hope we had a little bit of fun with it. I threw some things in there to try and break it up. And uh, I. You're wondering if maybe why I wasn't doing anything with wide receivers. It's because running backs are more situation opportunity driven than the wide receivers. Wide receivers are more talent driven. At least that's how I approach it. So there's not a lot of situations where simply the depth chart, simply who was brought in, who was drafted, is going to dictate the usage. Um, there are cases, there are situations I'll get into each one of those more specifically when I do the t- team, when I project the team. And so you should check those out when I do those streams. Now I, I also am going to be recording those streams and uploading them to YouTube and Twitch. So you can go back and watch anytime. Maybe, and that'll be great because maybe you look at it two, three weeks from now and you say, wait, what? Go look up the go look up the video where I did the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go look up that that video and and see how I talk through it and maybe the reasons I gave and maybe something's out of date or maybe I had bad information or maybe I had an insight that you missed maybe I was right you never know find me on twitter at fusion email me at at gmail.com you can find my handle on twitch and on youtube it's just fusionffb guys I keep it super consistent for you FusionFFB.com, and get into this chat we got a bunch of people in there it's been one of the most active fun chats I have right now I kind of did a think tank chat with some more industry people last year kind of got to wait I, I don't I'm not running that this year some of those people are in this chat but also some new people listeners uh people who are very interested in even writing their own stuff and hey look if that's you if you're interested in in maybe even writing something I have a website you're probably better off going somewhere else and getting it hosted somewhere else and it'll get seen but if you just have something that's half decent that you've put any decent thought into and you want to put it up somewhere just so it's up so you can say you did it let me know I'll find a spot for you so hit me up, get in this chat. If you have something you want published, let me know. I've said everything I've got to say. I hope to see you at the live stream, any of them in the future. I look forward to seeing you. That's all I've got. Have a great day, guys. See you.